Welcome to Let It Grow Investing, the financial investing and small business podcast that is not run by a professional investor. I am Jeff, and thank you for stopping by. We're going to cover all the news you need to know to make sense of the market, helping you get invested, stay the course, and on your way to financial freedom. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the podcast, and thanks, as always, for joining me. We've got uh, some interesting stuff uh, to talk about on today's episode. We're going to be looking at uh, uh, a fight of a different type. We're going to be talking about that. We're going to be looking at uh, some uh, crypto news. We're going to be looking at what the VIX is doing and ultimately what that tells us about the market. We're going to be looking at some housing stocks. Uh, We talked about that last time with the housing starts uh, actually outperforming where we thought they were going to come in at. Uh, we're thinking, hey, maybe these are going to be good stocks to invest in in the short term for uh, somewhat of a turnaround play, right? We talked about that last time. I uh, think we had 1.4 million estimated housing starts for May. It came in at 1.6 and some change. And uh, ultimately, that's a good thing for the uh, for the economy. And uh, we're going to take a look at what that is doing to interest rates, uh, what the Fed's going to have to do, and then uh, what some other markets are actually doing. We're going to be looking at uh, Turkey and I believe the UK, what they are doing out there uh, to handle their inflation uh, in the world markets as well. So um, first up, let's go ahead and uh, take a look over at the Let It Grow Investing page to see what we are going to be buying for uh, week 20. What are we on? 25? Uh, no, we are on 26. Sorry. We are going to be looking at five names, uh, from this past week. We already voted on them. They're over there on the Let It Grow Investing page on Facebook. There is a link in the description. So if you are not yet a member, please go over there, uh, and follow along, get your votes in for, uh, the stock of the week, what we are ultimately going to be buying in our, uh, Let It Grow Investing, investing challenge portfolio for, uh, for the year, right? We're doing that every week. And, uh, that is over there on Weeble. I'll be putting in $200 of my own money into one stock every week. And uh, ultimately, that's going to get us a little bit over $10,000 invested every year. And um, we're going to see where this thing goes. I want to see what uh, everyone's input is on some of the stocks that I'm kind of coming up with. There's a lot of homework that goes on behind the scenes. I probably just spent 45 minutes looking over a couple different names here. And uh, I definitely appreciate you guys following along and uh, voting along with the group as well. So uh, that is over there. Now, um, yeah, so the the five this week, right? Uh, we were looking at United Healthcare and Humana. They were both saying that they had some higher than expected costs when it came to uh, surgeries that people had delayed during the pandemic. They put those off. And now this looks like the, the year that people are going to get those surgeries taken care of. Uh, so they are experiencing higher than expected costs on that uh, that healthcare front for United Healthcare and Humana, but other uh, other companies as well. Uh, I'm sure we could probably look for some uh, other names in that space. What uh, products are being used in these uh, elective surgeries, and invest into those. Uh, whether it's uh, uh, you know mesh for hernia repair, or if it's um, you know the beds or the IV bags or what whatever it might be, striker. Uh, you know, whatever other companies that are out there making these products that are going to be needed in all these surgeries that are taking place. But uh, ultimately, these two did not win. I really like both of these. Uh, I did go ahead and buy some more United Healthcare in my own portfolio. Um, but uh, then number three on the week was going to be Enphase Energy, ENPH. 
Now we saw this one trade down. Uh, I did go ahead and buy some throughout this week as well. Um, I didn't get it perfectly uh, timed to the bottom, which is okay. I think I was buying in the 160s and 170 range. And I believe it closed the week uh, near 159, I want to say. I'm going to take a look real quick here just to take a get caught up with it. Yeah, 158.86 was uh, after hours on Friday. So that one did trade down. That is ultimately what we are going to be buying is uh, Enphase Energy. Now, I didn't get the bottom of this one perfect. It could still be going down. Well, I think we're right under the 100-day moving average on Enphase Energy which is going to be a uh, bearish sign, right? We could definitely see some more downside to this one. But uh, I think I told you guys that I got out of this one around that 325 mark. I definitely trimmed my position there and uh, was ready to uh, deploy some other money back into this one. Even at 225, I was happy with $100 lower. And now we are you know, almost cut in half. Uh, I guess we are more than cut in half as to where I was selling this one. So I'm definitely interested in buying this one here. So this is the winner. I will be buying uh, $200 worth of this stock uh, on Monday. We don't have any uh, holidays this week. So I will be buying this one uh, on Monday. As this one comes out, it'll come out Sunday night, but that's okay. Uh, so that is going to be the winner. And then the uh, the other runners up this week, uh, number four was going to be Amazon, which uh, ultimately I'm still bullish on. And uh, it did have a, a little bit more of a run up than I would like, but uh, we did buy that one this time last year. So I threw it in the mix for, uh, hey, do we want to go ahead and buy some more Amazon? And then number five was a utility that I thought we could get good growth out of. Uh, their CAGR, I believe it was, was the compound annual growth rate of this company over the past 10 years was around 17%. And that company is Next Era Energy. They are doing green energy, a lot of wind, a lot of solar. They do some pipelines and things as well or uh, natural gas. But um, this one really focuses on those green energy sources, which is where everyone seems to be looking right now. So I thought that could be a great spot to get a lot of growth uh, out of a utility company. That is, they have very good growth rates for a utility company and also get, I think it was about a two and a half percent dividend. So um, I don't know that I bought any of that one in my IRA. I think I had some orders open for that one, but I don't know that they triggered. Uh, I will take a look at that here as well. But uh, yeah, so Enphase is the winner for 26. That makes us halfway through this year already. I still have not wrapped my head around where half this year went, but uh, uh, I guess it's in the in the rearview mirror at this point. So what are we looking at going forward, right? Uh, now for week 27, ah, man, this is always a very difficult thing to do. Come on here with five different names that really... Um, makes sense for the current market, uh, where we're looking at, where we're going, and what's uh, going to be a, a decent buy right now, right? I think a lot of those tech stocks are still too high. Uh, I definitely know that uh, on the way of NVIDIA, we've had a massive amount of sell-side orders from directors and the C-suite executives in the company. And um, let me take a look here on this uh, this IRA, see if these next era... Uh, I did buy some next era. I bought uh, at seventy four fifty, and I'm I'm not too sure where that one's sitting at right now, but that's okay. That's a, a long term play for me in the IRA, so we'll we'll let those uh, uh seventy four twenty nine. That's okay. We're down a little bit, but anyhow. So uh, Nvidia, back to that. Uh, a lot of those C suite executives are selling out of this in mass. It has been pretty uh 
insane the amount of sell side volume that they have been putting out there. I'll, I'll take a look at uh, the insider activity from uh, NVIDIA right now. We've got uh, just in, in June, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different sales. Um, first one, the most recent was 51.1 million. We added 365,000, 21 million, 48 million, 1.3 million, 28.4 million, and $147,000 of stock sold from these eight uh, directors of the company in the last, not even month, in the last three weeks. So they are all seeing the writing on the wall that this thing is in bubble territory. I think that this is a great company, right? I've said that before. I was also in the mix selling uh, with some of these, um, you know, probably a week and a half ago for me. And I was trimming my position, not because I don't think that NVIDIA is a great company, not because I don't think uh, AI is going to be the next big thing, but uh, because I think this one just ran up too high, too fast. And uh, I feel like I need to take a little bit off the table for this name, reinvest some of it elsewhere, and, and just do a, a little bit of responsive, uh, responsible selling in order to maintain my portfolio, right? I do not want to see this one do what it already did for us week one of 22 when we bought it at 303 and then it went down to $108. So, um, uh, I did, you know, double my money on these. I sold, I don't know, six shares, maybe a little bit more. And um, it, it's definitely something that is a tough thing to do, right? You don't want to sell too early, but, uh, you know, you obviously want to maximize your gains. You want to maximize those returns. But at the same time, I've still got some shares that are, you know, it's still, I think, a number three position for my portfolio. So I'm going to let it continue to run, but I felt uh, like I had to take something off the table. And I moved that into, uh, like I said, some of it into my IRA to fund that out for the year. Uh, some of it I, I kept in place and um, you know repurchased some, some different things, try to get that dividend income up, try to get the, some recession-proof stocks in there. And ultimately, that's what I'm looking at right now. There are uh, a couple on this list for this week that uh, we've talked about before. There's quite a few that are not. Um, there's a, a, definitely a few that I have never looked at before. So this one was definitely tough for me. Um, but let's let's go ahead and dive in, right? Let's uh, take a look here. So um, I'm actually, I've got it written on one sheet of paper, but I'm going to transfer it over to my uh, my little weekly uh, follow along and, and vote page here. So the first one up is going to be Kellogg's. Uh, the ticker is K. Now, why Kellogg's? Well, first up, um, they're going to be, uh, you know, a staple in the uh, the food game. So I thought that uh, you know, recession proof. We're getting about a three point six percent dividend. Um, there's a little bit of upside here, but really the thought here was safety, right? Um, everyone's going to need food. We we've seen that uh, you know, grocery store prices are are you know coming down a little bit, but uh, these companies are still going to be needed regardless of what interest rates do, what housing prices do what uh, AI does. And uh, I definitely think that this one is getting to that undervalued type territory here. And uh, let's go ahead and pull that up. We've got, uh, let me get back over to my uh, my Kellogg's page here and see just what is going on when I am taking a look at Reuters. Now, uh, I've definitely follow along with Reuters as one of my 
go-to uh, pages to really get a lot of investing insight. There's there's definitely other ones. Uh, Smart Consensus is kind of helpful. Market Edge is more of a, for me, is it the right time to get into a stock? Uh, but Reuters kind of gives me a more of a full picture as to what's going on. Uh, they do have it as a hold rating right now. I think it was Motley Fool that said this one was a, a great buy. It might have been tip ranks. I'm not sure. Uh, but uh, we do have about 16% of analysts saying that the average price should be around 71.90, and we are at 65.55. So a little bit of upside. We've got annual revenue increasing about 5.5% for 23 and 7.7% uh, by the end of 24. We are uh, small dividend growth, 1.3%. Uh, that dividend payout is actually remarkably high. I do not like that. 97%. I think I missed that. Uh, or I would have probably changed this one. But um, forward PE is a slight discount. So we've got a 2% discount on that uh, that forward-looking measure. And uh, that that's definitely a good sign to see that we've got uh, a little bit of undervalued on that uh, that long-term forward look versus their five-year average. Uh, but they do have 2.1 times the dividend coverage. And um, you know I think it's going to be one that uh, should help us get through um, you know, a recession with uh, the, the brands that they have. They operate around the world, North America, Europe, Latin America, Asia, Middle East, and Africa. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, a ton of different uh, snack ca uh, category items, crackers, savory snacks, toaster pastries, cereal bars, granola bars. We got a little bit of everything when it comes to uh, the Kellogg's brand. We got Cheez-Its, Pringles, Austin, uh, crackers, uh, Parati, which I'm not even sure, an RX bar. Uh, we've got uh, Kashi and Bare Naked brands. Uh, we've got Ego and Morningstar Farms brands. So there's a lot of different brands, a lot of different end uh, uh, markets. And I, I think that it's one that can uh, get us through some different pain points here that could possibly be on the horizon in the way of a recession talk. So uh, I think I saw this one from, like I said, Tip Ranks or Motley Fool saying that it could be a potentially uh, a good stock to get us through some other problems going forward. And they also mentioned uh, Colgate, the ticker is CL, and Unilever, which was UL. Uh, I went with Kellogg's for the uh, just this kind of snack category that they are in. Uh, I think Colgate uh, had some something on there that I, I didn't like. Uh, Unilever had very little information. I believe that is a, I believe it's foreignly owned company, but it's traded on the uh, NYSE, I believe. But uh, yeah, number two, we're going to take a look at uh, Lowe's. We actually were buying this one last year at this time. And uh, I thought it could definitely make sense to add this one back in for this year. So uh, the ticker is LOW. And uh, when we are looking at Lowe's, uh, we've got uh, really good earnings per share, about uh, 10.3 or $10.33. Quarterly dividend right around uh, 2%. Beta is a one, so that's right in line with the S and P. Uh, PE is currently trending or sitting at a twenty-one point four. So when we are looking at lows, what are we seeing here? Well, first up, I wanted to say again that uh, those housing numbers were strong. Uh, so the housing starts for May. They came in about two hundred thousand houses uh, to the upside. So that's definitely showing that uh, we're going to be building some more stuff. We're going to need all these products that Lowe's is going to be selling. But uh, I also keep hearing that inventory is very, very low out there as far as how many houses are out there. So a lot of people are leaning into new homes. But uh, we've still got aging homes as well, right? So we're going to have to fix all the problems that uh, arise under home ownership. 
And uh, we know that those happen. So we're going to have people uh, getting new roofs, getting new appliances, getting you know all the different things that we're going to need for uh, anything to upgrade our home. So um, as more and people, more and more people see that these rates are coming down, maybe they do a cash out refi. Maybe they want to invest a little bit more in their home to uh, potentially be able to sell it and move into another home. Uh, so I think that this one is going to be, um, you know, coming out of uh, probably some rougher times for them as people were really kind of trying not to spend anything as, uh, you know, fears were, were definitely going through the roof. But uh, now that uh, rates are potentially dropping, we're seeing those housing starts come back up. I think we're going to have more people out there trying to do uh, some more projects to get the, their homes back up to speed. So we've got uh, on Reuters about 7% of upside. Uh, I think I said about 2% or 2.5% dividend yield. We do have uh, some positive news from the last... Uh, three earnings reports here. Their annual revenue is trending down for 24 and 25, actually coming back up by the end of 25. But uh, I think a lot of these numbers are going to be kind of a worst case scenario if we really do end up in a recession. Uh, I think with some of the housing numbers coming back up, the amount of buyers that are out there and the lack of inventory, I think people are going to stay put a little bit longer. And I don't know that... Uh, I guess I'm, I'm thinking that these numbers are really uh, negative, right? I think that we're going to have a better situation than what some of these numbers are potentially telling us just based off of uh, some of the housing numbers, some of the starts and uh, really the amount of buyers and uh, sh you know strength in the market that I'm you know continuing to see. Uh, they've got dividend growth over the last year at 31.3%. That is a, a fantastic number, much better than Kellogg's. Uh, so 31.3% of growth. We've got a dividend payout of 41%, current dividend yield of 2.1%. So I like those numbers a lot. We are at a 10% discount on the trailing PE over the past five years and a 9% discount on forward PE over the last five years. So I like that as well. Uh, the uh, the price to sales is uh, right on par with where it sits on that five-year average. So uh, I definitely think that this is a solid time to look at uh, low stock and also some of the other uh, you know housing names as well. So uh, saying that, the next one that I'm going to look at is actually going to be Restoration Hardware, and that is uh, ticker RH. Now uh, RH, I think they've had massive growth over the past uh, five years. Let's take a look. Um, I know that has slowed down as far as uh, the the growth aspect of this company here. They've had 93% returns over the past five years. 1% or over the last one year, they've had 18% growth. So uh, they have slowed down as far as the stock price is uh, concerned. But this one has been a premium, uh, you know, housing furnishings, uh, you know, provider. And I don't see that that uh, business is going to slow down, right? The uh, the luxury homes, the the uber wealthy people, they're going to continue spending on you know these products that uh, they find to be you know top tier for their homes. I, I don't see that slowing down, and uh, I do think that uh, restoration hardware is going to capitalize on a lot of these uh, people that are building new homes, whether it's high end or you know kind of middle of the road homes. I think a lot of people are going to go in there and try to upgrade. Uh, into some different fixtures or different uh, knobs or handles or whatever uh, that they find, you know, lighting packages in restoration hardware in order to build the house of their dreams. You know, whether they're just buying a couple lights or they're doing their whole house, 
uh, I think that restoration hardware uh, is definitely going to benefit from the fact that more people are building more homes than we anticipated. So this one is, uh, I believe, trading near the top of where it has been. Let's uh, let's get back to the chart here. Um, now, right in the middle of the road here, we're sitting at uh, 291 and uh, the low was uh, last June at 207 and the high was, uh, you know, February 2nd at 351. So we're a little bit north of the uh, the mean point here, but uh, I do believe that this one has got some definite upside going forward. Uh, when I get back over to Reuters, uh, we do not have a dividend on this one. We do have some price target negativity when I'm looking at uh, where analysts think that this one could go. But uh, I'm going to guess that a lot of this news that has come out in the past week or so has not really been baked in for a company like uh, Restoration Hardware. We were counting for uh, you know, more of a trough in uh, earnings in 24 and then rising back up in 2025. So that is definitely getting cooked into the numbers as well. And um, like I said, no dividend growth. It does uh, currently trade at a 39% discount to the uh, trailing PE, but a trading at a 36% premium on forward. Now, like I said, the earnings are also going down, uh, but they're uh, expected to rise back up by the uh, year 2025. So we are still having a premium priced into the stock uh, for the fact that the earnings are going to drop down, but uh, they are expected to rebound. So I wouldn't think that they're going to get down to that uh, uh, that low point of actually trading at uh, a 19 times forward PE uh, based on the fact that uh, people are seeing the the guidance is showing that the earnings are going to come back up. So I'm not as concerned about that. I do think that long term, this one should do well. And, uh, you know, it's another way to capitalize on what's going on in the housing market. So that is number three. Uh, first up was Kellogg's. Number two was Lowe's. Number three was Restoration Hardware. Now for number four, let's uh, let's take a look at uh, MTH, which is uh, Meritage Homes. And I looked through a couple different things here on different home builders. I was looking at Lennar. I was looking at uh, MHO, which is MI Homes. I do like their portfolio where their homes are situated, but uh, MTH had some different things going for it here as well. The, uh, the PE is very low, it's sitting at 5.5. We've got earnings per share of $24.50. So that is, that's massive. Uh, it's a $5 billion market cap company, a dividend sitting at 0.8%. So not uh, crazy on the dividend, but uh, one that I did like the portfolio of where their homes were as well. And uh, let's get back to what that was. I got to navigate through here. I know we had some North Carolina, South Carolina. I know they were in Charlotte, uh, Texas homes, Colorado homes. They did have some California homes, which I wasn't as excited to see. Um, but uh, I think we had, let me get back to this page here, I'm trying to go all off of memory and it's just uh, not working. We've got Arizona, Colorado, Georgia, Florida, which I think is a, still a thriving market, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, and Utah. So uh, I do think that that is a good mixture of locations. I know a lot of those Central America, uh, Central U.S. homes are doing really well. North Carolina market's been, you know, thriving for a few years now. Um, the uh, Florida homes are doing great. Texas, I know Austin has kind of turned it a little bit sideways, but uh, I still think they are at a premium. They just got way too up in the uh, pandemic times, and I think now they're kind of flattening out. 
Uh, we've got uh, Colorado homes. I know that that market has been on fire as well. So I like some of the the markets that they are in, right? I, I think they've got a, uh, a it seems to be a solid product, a decent reputation through the uh, through the industry, and um, just one that I, I kind of felt that we could uh, still potentially have a little bit more upside in, right? We've got about thirteen point three percent of upside from seven different analysts, uh, and again, some of these numbers are negative as well when you're looking at uh, annual revenue for twenty three. We peaked out in uh, 22 at 6.3 billion, and now we are looking at earnings for 23. The average being 5.5, and uh, average for 24 coming in at 5.8. So those numbers are down, but uh, I think that they're going to surprise us to the upside when we actually get these numbers in. Uh, so I think we're you know guiding low. We're planning for the worst, and then once we see that uh, oh yeah we actually are building a lot more homes than we uh, previously anticipated i think we're going to be surprised on some of these numbers from a lot of the different home builders so i kind of think that some of the uh, the actual price targets on these are baked in from a lot of the earnings coming in lighter than where they were last year but uh, ultimately i think that those are going to surprise us when it comes to a lot of the different home builders so um again same story on this one, trailing PE, 29% discount. That forward metric, it's a 19% premium here. Again, because those earnings are kind of being, I'm not going to call it sandbag, but I'm thinking that they're guiding light and we're going to be surprised when some of these numbers are actually come out by the end of the year. That's that's my thought here. So, But at that, we're, we're still trading at a 9.2 times uh, forward PE versus a five-year average of a 7.8. So I don't think that it is stretched. I don't think that a, a 9.2 is crazy. And uh, like I said, the trailing P's, PE is only a 5.5. So we're still in that single digit PE territory, which is where the home builders uh, actually trade. They are lower PE value companies, but uh, I do think that they're going to uh, more or less surprise us at the end of the year. That That's kind of my thesis here. Um, now, the, uh, the next one here is... Uh, a different different way to look at uh, home builders, right? I thought, you know, what else other than uh, homes and uh, home supplies? And you know, I was looking at Owens uh, Owens Corning and and some different names as well when it came to um, home, you know, goods or home building. But uh, this one is kind of a, a different lane, right? This one is going to be ticker PSA, and that is public storage. So my thought here is well. If we're moving out, people are going to need some storage, at least in the short term. Uh, so we're going to be loading up these units. And, uh, you know, even if it's temporary, I do think that we're going to have a lot of people putting stuff into storage for uh, the short term. If they're staging, if they're, you know, moving, we're going to have those units being filled up. If, uh, you know, people are end up buying too much as we have been over the past few years, especially, uh, you know, larger items for camping or outdoor activities. Uh, I think that uh, you know public storage should you know benefit from that as well. So it is going to be a REIT, which uh, is a real estate investment trust. They are going to pay out more in the way of dividends. So this one is sitting at about four and a quarter percent. We've got a PE of about twelve. Earnings per share is strong on this one as well, twenty three dollars and fifty one cents uh, EPS on this one. So uh, currently sitting at two hundred and eighty three dollars. The low was set back at uh, 270 on January 5th, and the high was up to 357. So this one is trading in that lower part of the range compared to where they normally trade. So uh, when I'm looking at uh, analyst research here on, uh, go back to Reuters, this is a buy rating. They have a five-year return of about 
We've got um, about 20% of upside here from eight different analysts. So their uh, average price target here is 339. So we've got a good ways to move up. We've got actually annual revenue increasing 6% for 23 and 11.3% for 2024. We've got uh, dividend growth of about 12.5%. So that's definitely nice to see. And that dividend payout is currently sitting at 42.5%. So I'm happy with that as well. 60% discount on trailing PE, 22% discount on forward PE. So this one's going to be a little bit more predictable, right? We're not going to have the cyclicality of uh, some of the home builders, which is uh, definitely one of the problems with the home builder stocks. It's why they trade at such a low multiple on that PE basis is because they have a lot of these boom and bust type cycles in the business. Uh, lows, I definitely like for the fact that uh, it's less cyclical and uh, things are going to break every day. So people are going to be in there painting new rooms uh, you know, or getting their house ready, doing outdoor projects, this, that, or the other. I do like the Lowe's business platform as well as Home Depot. Um, restoration hardware, uh, I think that premium products are, are always going to be uh, you know, a strong seller and we're not going to have as much of the, uh, the boom boss cyclicality that we're going to see in some of the home builders just by the way that uh, I think wealthy people are always going to be looking to remodel and redo uh, their, their homes and update as they see fit. And they aren't afraid to spend the money on it. Um, number four was uh, Meritage Homes, MTH. And again, low multiple. I think that we're going to surprise to the upside uh, going into earnings season. And uh, I'm, I'm happy to buy that one as well. Uh, and then, as I said, number five was uh, Public Storage, PSA, which is going to be a little bit more stable. And uh, I think we've got some definite room to move up with that one as well. A long-term hold, as far as I'm concerned, that would be a, a nice add to the uh, portfolio here. So those are the five I came up with, right? If you got something that you want to see put into the next one, uh, some names you want to see go head to head, please let me know over there on Let It Grow Investing on Facebook or uh, leave me a message on Spotify and I'll definitely take a look at it. But uh, I'll uh, take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right. We are back here on the podcast. So um, yeah, if you guys need uh, some help getting started, I do have links in the, in the description to help get you going. Uh, whether you're looking for a crypto account, a retirement account, or just a trading account, we've got uh, some links down there uh, in the description. Uh, also, if you're looking for a little bit of help one-on-one -on -one with me, feel free to reach out about uh, some financial uh, coaching, and I'd be glad to help get you started on a path to uh, some financial freedom here. So uh, with that being said, we are looking at a market that has got a, uh, a low VIX number, right? The VIX is your volatility index. And uh, right now, that number is sitting at about 13.4. So we saw uh, before when things were trading in that uh, 20 to 30, you know, 35 is like peak fear range uh, where you can kind of, you know, get in and get out of some different positions based on what this VIX is telling us, um, you know, Right now, it's looking like peak uh, greed. There's really a lot of greed out there as to how much uh, the S&P has run up. And now people really want to get involved in the market. Uh, so sometimes I think that is uh, a good thing uh, where people want to get involved. But sometimes I think it's too late. I personally like to get in when other people are looking, uh, you know, maybe to get out of a name. Uh, if they got a good story, uh, I might want to be getting in. So uh, really, it just depends on the name and on the situation. But overall, that uh, that volatility index, the VIX, V-I-X, you can uh, you know kind of get a gauge for the market as to what they're doing and what everyone's kind of thinking based on some of these numbers. So 13.4 is, uh, is definitely a low number. It is peak 
uh, greed, really. That is where everyone is is really just piling into the market. And uh, we're really not too concerned about valuations, right? We've seen that on a lot of different names. And that's sometimes a sign for me to go ahead and get out of some different names. So like I said, with uh, some of the, the tech stocks that have run, you know, 150 plus percent, uh, I went ahead and got out of them, right? I, I said that with NVIDIA. And uh, you can also, you know, use it the uh, opposite way for when, you know, the, that VIX is at a 35. Maybe it's a good time to buy when when people are running for the hills. Uh, when, you know, when NVIDIA again got down to 108, that, uh, that VIX was spiked up high, probably in the mid 30s. And, um, you know, that is definitely a sign for me that uh, everyone is being irrational on both ends of the spectrum here, just a lot of irrational trading. So I try to use these numbers as a way to uh, figure out what everyone else is thinking and, and really what all the, the the trend in the market. And sometimes the, the trend is your friend. You can use it uh, against what everyone else is doing in that different uh, situation. So um, look at these numbers, try to understand them. Investopedia is a great spot to take a look and get a little bit more uh, clarity as to what these numbers mean. But um, next up, I did want to talk about uh, Bitcoin, right? We have seen Bitcoin uh, really rise back up above 30,000 and it's been uh, been hanging there for at least since Wednesday. That is when we had uh, some different market makers and uh, money managers really applying for this spot ETF on Bitcoin. Now, we did get that uh, that futures Bitcoin uh, ETF uh, probably about 18 months ago at this point. And uh, a lot of people were thinking, man, this is really going to send Bitcoin through the roof. Um, I thought it was a bullish sign, but I never really thought that the um, the future ETF was really going to be a massive um, move for uh, crypto, right? Because we're basically just trading future values as to what it could be or what it might not be. This is actually going to be a way to get into Bitcoin and trading the actual coin instead of the options on Bitcoin. So this one, I think, is going to have a lot more uh, staying power for what the uh, the market uh, could potentially see some some money in uh, in Bitcoin rather than simply just the options. So I do think that this has got uh, a lot of room to run. I think that this one is going to be, you know, at least a, a double digit mover when uh, when and if this spot uh, Bitcoin ETF is actually approved. Now, when we uh, when we look at that, who was uh, I think BlackRock was one of the main ones that was looking to get into this. Uh, I know I was just reading this article about uh, who was getting in and now I'm trying to see if I can't uh, try to pull this back up here. The, it's going to be up to the SEC uh, in order to list an actual spot crypto ETF. So we'll see if that even happens. Um, I can't find this one right here. As to, oh, here we go. Uh, Fidelity. Uh, we've got uh, Citadel Paradigm. Uh, we've got Sequoia Capital, Charles Schwab. Uh, and, they, and these have got uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, and Bitcoin Cash. Uh, so we're, we're looking to get into this uh, this spot ETF. And that would definitely be a big move in that crypto space. Uh, really, uh, you know, more adoption of the actual crypto coins. It looks like Powell's kind of on board with the fact that it is certainly a way to transact in money. Uh, so they are, he's calling it a, a, a currency as far as I'm concerned. That's what it kind of sounds like to me. There might be some mince words on that, but uh, I definitely think that it is a case where he is looking at it as an actual form of money. 
And ultimately, we're going to see what all the regulation kind of comes out with. But uh, if a spot ETF does go through, I think it is going to be a big mover to the upside for the price of Bitcoin. Uh, then we've got, um, I was talking about uh, different markets around the world actually raising their uh, um, Fed rates much higher over the past couple of weeks here. And uh, one that I was really watching uh, was, well, maybe not really watching, but uh, one that I was taking a look at here was the fact that uh, Turkey, right? They were upping their uh, key interest rate by 650 basis points, right? That is a massive move. You guys have seen what happens when we got a, a 50 basis point hike or even a 100 basis point hike, but this is a six and a half percent. So it goes all the way up to 15% from eight and a half. So they have got to have some massive inflation problems. We think we've got it bad. Those sound like they are uh, just out of this world if they think they need to raise 650 basis points. So uh, we've got to be knowledgeable to the fact that other economies are really going through a lot more pain than you know what we are here in the US. These small blips, you know, 10, 11, 12 uh, rate hikes that we're talking. You know, this one is is massive. This is uh, more than we've had over the past year all at one time. So I think that would certainly send our markets into a tailspin. We wouldn't really know what to do. Um, but uh, just be mindful that this is still a, a massive problem around the world. And we're not out of this one, not out of the woods yet on, on uh, all this heavy inflation that we've seen around the world. Uh, Bank of England also announced a another 50 point basis hike. Uh, it's their 13th consecutive increase uh, as they are uh, policymakers are trying to grapple with a persistently high inflation as well. So a lot of different problems around the world when it comes to uh, inflation, uh, interest rates, and that could have certainly have a, a you know lasting effect in the economy as a whole, and uh, just definitely something to take into consideration. Now I did say we're uh, looking at a fight here, right? And uh, it's not between Tesla. And Meta, it is between the CEOs of those companies. It's going to be Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg looking to get in a cage match. I, I don't even know how this is happening or what, what time period we're living in here. But uh, I, I guess they're having a Twitter beef back and forth. It looks like uh, Zuckerberg wants to start a Twitter-like uh, you know, challenger competitor to uh, Twitter. And it uh, looks like the two of them said they're going to go ahead and get into a cage match over this. Uh, Zuckerberg, <laughs> am I really going to read the stats of, of these people? I think he's around 5'6", five, 5'7", five, around 150 pounds, I think it was. Uh, maybe 5'8". I'm not even sure. Uh, and Musk was around 6'1", and 190, but he has no fighting experience. And apparently, Zuckerberg has done some Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He's done some training and won some competitions. Uh, I guess he was masked up and, and no one knew that it was him. And then it was kind of like a big uh, to do that he was in uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and actually performing well. It's it just absolutely crazy. But uh, they're saying basically back and forth where at. Uh, then Musk said uh, Vegas Octagon. And apparently this is going to be a thing. So if it actually happens, uh, man, I, I don't know. Do you do you favor the size of Musk or do you you know favor the training of Zuckerberg? I, I don't know. Take your pick. Absolutely insane. But uh, going back to some Tesla news, we've got, uh, like I said before, we've got a lot of different uh, companies now uh, being able to get onto the Tesla charging gear, uh, grid for their product, right? I think first up was, uh, was it Ford and then GM and then Rivian? So now we've got, uh, you know, three massive uh, other automakers 
looking to be able to use their 12,000 uh, charging uh, stations in order to charge their cars right now. We've got about uh, 3 billion in charging revenue by 2030 from non-Tesla vehicles. So this is a, a massive move for uh, the charging networks when it comes to um, you know charging other vehicles on Tesla chargers. And we've got, I believe, about seven and a half billion in subsidies from the Biden administration. Uh, so that's almost $13 billion in financial incentives by opening up their network. So I think a lot of people, I've said this before, a lot of people really view Tesla as a an automotive company. And while that is certainly true, I don't think that people have really understood the fact that they can unlock a lot of value by uh, you know, opening up their their charging station to, by giving out some of their battery technology or licensing the, the technology to some other makers uh, and really unlocking more value with uh, other products that they have done very well. Uh, they've also got the autonomous. We've also are looking at robots. There, there's a whole lot of different lanes that Tesla's looking to go down when it comes to growing the company and really growing the uh, you know the the market cap here, right? We're sitting at eight hundred and thirteen billion. I've seen some uh, some different uh, you know projections that have this one by uh, four to five trillion by uh, twenty thirty. You know, which would be a what a five times move. Uh, I've saw something saying, hey, we're going to be uh, at four hundred and fifty to five hundred dollars stock by the end of twenty five, the end of twenty six, and then really, you know, where where do we go from here? So, yes, the PE is high. Yes, it's a it's certainly a growth stock, but it's not just a growth automotive company. I would certainly say, you know, Rivian, Lucid are more in that growth automotive company. Uh, I think Tesla is more of the complete package. So I'm definitely more of a bull on uh, on Tesla than the other ones at this point. And that's a lot of the reason why is they have a lot of different lanes to go down. I'm not saying other companies don't have great battery tech. I know that Lucid is one of the ones that's supposed to have the most range. But I definitely think that there is a, a lot of different caveats to Tesla when it comes to the the pricing and the staying power and the fact that, hey, now, you know, millions of other vehicles are now going to be able to charge on their network and generate billions of dollars of revenue from that charging income. So another lane for them to go down. Uh, they've also got the charging networks figured out uh, how to build them cheaper, right? We've got uh, the Tesla charging per station costs about $42,000. Uh, it sounds like a lot, but then the other uh, rivals, they're coming in at uh, 100000 to almost $250,000 per charging station. So that is definitely something where I'm looking at uh, the fact that they can do it more affordably. They have a better infrastructure. They've got more of a network. And I think that they're going to be able to roll out these stations um, more efficiently, more effectively than a lot of the other competition. So uh, it's definitely a thing here where... This one has run, but um, you know we've talked about this when it comes to other names, when it comes to NVIDIA, when it comes to Microsoft. Have they run too much and we're chasing them? Or do we still see another uh, way for these companies to grow? And uh, when it comes to NVIDIA, I think uh, a lot of that hype of AI was really the thing that brought them you know, to these 400 price points. And uh, I don't know that it's got, uh, it's got staying power. But has it run up too far, too fast, and nothing really past that uh, to really look at? Are we just le uh, leaving uh, you know, all our hope and faith in, in the fact that AI is going to be the thing and NVIDIA is going to be the company to get us there? Uh, I think we kind of are. So for me, 
you know, Tesla pulling back a little bit from here, man, I'd feel a lot more comfortable buying Tesla at, uh, you know, say 230 than Nvidia at 400 right now. Uh, I think both of them are great companies, but I think we really got to take a look at what other levers can they pull in order to get, uh, you know, this, this market cap really rolling higher and, uh, continually growing going forward. So, Man, I'd feel a lot more comfortable personally buying Tesla rather than Nvidia, but uh, I definitely think that Microsoft is a, a very strong competitor in the fact of all the things that they are trying to do. We're trying to do all the gaming, all the uh, the cloud, all the computing. Uh, they're looking to build a, their own super uh, quantum computer over the next ten years. Uh, they've got a lot of different things going on. I think I said gaming. They're trying to buy Activision. We've got Chat GPT. We've got AI. Man, I, I like that growth story rather than... And, and NVIDIA is a great company too. They, they still do gaming. They do AI. They do autonomous. They do robotics. But uh, I think right now I need NVIDIA to cool off. And uh, I think that the directors and the C-suite executives are seeing the same thing. Uh, that's just my, uh, my two cents on that one. So again, look at what the VIX is showing you. Take a look at what the, the stock charts are telling you. Where might be a good entry point? how much pain tolerance you've got. I'd still say to probably dollar cost average into any of these high flying tech names right now. But uh, I'm also looking to build a balanced portfolio by adding in some of these different names we were talking about in the first half, you know, home builders, commodity stocks, staples, um, food names that are, are really going to benefit us going forward uh, to really give us some balance, right? I don't, I don't expect Kellogg's to set your portfolio on fire. I do not. I, I don't see that at all. But I do think that it is going to be a safe, predictable play for those people that are looking to get into something that is going to give them some stability. You're going to be able to sleep at night. You're going to have a dividend. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of these names out there that are going to give you this balanced approach when it comes to investing. So I guess definitely take a look at both sides. See what's going to be a better value for you right now. Really put uh, some some thought into where do I want to position myself and um you know, where do I want to go from here? Because if you go all in on Tesla, NVIDIA and Microsoft, if you got a long enough time horizon, I think you're going to be fine. But uh, in the short term, I think you might have some pain, right? So if you want a little bit more of a balanced approach, I, I definitely say look into some safety stocks, ones that are going to survive through a recession, get you some dividends, make you feel good that uh, you made some, some picks that are going to be a lot safer and also have uh, some room in your portfolio for those high flyers. But um, that's what I got for you guys today. So Thanks for stopping by. Again, make sure to follow the links in the description to get your votes in for one of these five stocks we just talked about. And uh, also, if you need uh, help getting uh, in a portfolio going of your own, we've got links for uh, Webull, Crypto.com, Binance, and uh, E-Trade. And if you want some one-on-one uh, -on -one, uh, coaching help from me, feel free to reach out on Let It Grow Investing on Facebook or on here on Spotify. So uh, with that being said, uh, take care and have a great uh, trading week out there. Thank you for stopping by here on Let It Grow Investing. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and share to build a community of like-minded investors. If you do have questions for me or for the group, you can find us over there on Let It Grow Investing Podcast on Facebook. This is not professional financial advice. I am not a professional financial advisor. Please make sure to do all your own research before investing in any security. 
I do have links in the description to help get you started on E-Trade, Webull, Crypto.com, and Binance. And a friendly reminder that a goal without a plan is just a dream. So go ahead and build your plan, uh, design your portfolio, and stick to it. Thanks for stopping by. I will catch you guys in the next one.